Blog Talk Radio. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with song of deliverance from my enemy.
Good evening, everybody. I'm your host, Apostle Prophet Evangelist Edward Everly. I'd like to welcome everybody here this evening. Praise God here in the United States as well as around the world. You know, that song is so beautiful. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. That's I couldn't think of anything better that I want to be as a, than a child of God that I am. I thank God for that. That's the most important thing we can ever want to be. You know, as a kid, a lot of times they would ask, you know, we would ask children, that I was asked as a child, what, when you grow up, what do you want to be? Well, the greatest thing that a child could ever want to be or anybody wants to be is a child of God, receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord, Savior, and Master. And that way they will live a life, and an abundant life in Jesus Christ, according to John 10.10. 10. He said, I've come that you might have life, but you might have life more abundantly in me, he said, in Jesus. He said, in me, you will have an abundant life. Praise God. That is quite a quite a promise, isn't it? Well, tonight, I'd like to welcome everybody again, like I say, and our program, God's, <coughs> excuse me, uh, God's Hour of Truth. God's Hour of Truth is the name of the program. And God's Word is truth, and this is the Hour of Truth of God's Word, the truth of God's Word for this hour. Uh, we were doing a series. We did a series here. We began two weeks ago, and uh, this is part two tonight. And, of course, uh, we, I know we won't finish tonight yet, so we will be doing part three two weeks from tonight, which will be the uh, 28th of uh, September. Then the uh, 12th of October, I have a special guest on. He's a, uh, a missionary. It's been well-traveled missionary, and he's a very good friend of mine, a very precious man of God that has the love of Jesus Christ all over him. In fact, I was talking to him just, oh, I guess about a week ago, remember a little less, and we had quite a conversation. He's a precious man of God, and I know you will really be blessed. So uh, on the 12th of October, you can mark that in your calendar also to be a special guest. So... Tonight, before we get started, let's look to the Lord in prayer and ask God to bless this program tonight, okay? Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this another night, another night to be on the program here, to be able to share your love and your power, Father. I thank you for that privilege. I thank you that you've called and anointed me in the ministry, Father, nearly over 45 years ago, Father, that you called and anointed me, ordained me in the ministry. I thank you for that, Father. That's the greatest thing I could be called for, be a minister of the gospel. That's the highest calling in life, and I thank you for that privilege. And, Father, I ask you tonight that you would anoint me. Give me the words that you once said tonight in the program, Father. I know you've been giving me the words, and I give you all the glory for that, Father, because it's not me that's doing this teaching and ministering. It's you through me. I know it every time I listen to the message. I know it's it's you, Father. I know it's not me. So we give you all the glory, and I speak this out in prayer, and I speak it out to the listeners that would recognize it's not me, but it's you. And I ask tonight that you give a special touch to the listeners tonight. Touch them in a special way, Father, everything that's needed in their lives. Be real to them in the name of Jesus. And I take authority over all negativity, all evil forces, all forces of darkness, all demonic activity, anything that would try to interrupt, I command it to stop right now. And I command it to go. The forces of Satan must leave now in the name of Jesus Christ. I cast you out. I cast you out of every home, every listener's life, out of their thoughts, out of their minds, and out of every part of them. You will not have them this time. 
You will not have their minds or thoughts. They will be listened to God's word. You have nothing in this, Satan, sir. Out you go in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, Father, I thank you for what you're going to do tonight, the words that you're going to give the people, Father, and you're going to heal the sick. Those that don't know Jesus will come to you, and those that need delivered and set free from bad habits, wrong habits, delivered, whatever it might be, Father, I just release by faith, Father, by faith. I just release your anointing over these airways right now for listeners that are listening to this live and also those who will be listening to it uh, on thing after this, right after the program, it will be on the demand section, on the on-demand section. I just ask your blessing and anointing upon this thing, that lives would be changed. Change would take place. Shifts would take place in lives. Shifts. It would shift into a higher gear, a higher gear with you, Father. And, Father, we give you all the praise and thanksgiving and glory for it because it's all in you and through you and to your glory. In the name of Jesus, we ask and we thank you. And we all said, amen and amen and amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Okay, to kind of get everybody up on what's going on, uh, the first uh, message was called Understanding and Doing Are God's Keys to You. Now, this is a second part. It's still called that. In fact, the series is Understanding and Doing Are God's Keys keys to you now you know we can't do in fact the bible says in james 122 be not only hearers but we're to be doers of the word right now i can't be a doer of the word if i don't understand the word of god can i and that's for sure and what we're going to do and what what the lord gave me about this whole program and what to do the meaning of it i'm going to show you right now uh really where i'm coming from because Many Christians, as I deal with many people, uh, they don't really understand the word. They read it, but they don't understand. They they misplace what the word is actually telling them. I'm going to show you something right here. It's best to just show you a little example, which I used on the last part one. And by the way, you can look in the on-demand section and listen to part one two weeks ago, too, and then tonight, and then, of course, part three. Now, what, what these are about, I'm just using verses, and I'm pointing out my part, your part, well, our parts as, as Christians, and God's part, and what to expect. And, and I'm teaching these verses, because these verses are life-changing verses. They, they're verses that God gave me to use, okay? Now, these verses will change your life, but I'm showing you how to understand these verses, just bringing a little bit of clarity to you that you can see. And you'll see where I'm talking about now. Now, even this verse here that I'm going to bring, the first one, which uh, one that really the Lord brought this to my mind with this verse right here. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. if you have your Bible. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. This is kind of the theme verse right here that, that God brought enlightenment to me about this. And I've used this many times to try to bring the point across, which I'm, I'm going to be doing tonight with you all. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. Now, I'm going to read this in the Amplified here. It's a little bit clearer than in the King James, but it's basically well, it's the same thing. Okay. But no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Okay, there we go. But no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment you shall show to be in the wrong. This peace, righteousness, security, triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, those in whom the ideal servant of the Lord is reproduced. 
this is uh, righteousness or the vindication which they obtain from me. This is that which I impart to them as their justification, says the Lord. Now, the beginning part of this is what is what I'm really uh, trying to show. This is really what this whole series is about. Many people you've heard say, but no weapon formed against me shall prosper. A lot of people say that, right? Okay, just saying that doesn't mean it. Just quoting that and confessing that no weapon formed against me will prosper. That's part of it, and that's the truth. That's the truth, but that isn't the whole truth right there. The whole truth is that no weapon formed against us will prosper, and every tongue, every tongue, that means every tongue, every person, everything that rises up against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. Okay? That goes for not just people coming up against you and speaking wrong things to you. That's every demonic activity, every force of darkness, everything that's contrary to the Word of God, you will show by you. You will show them to be wrong. You will prove them to be wrong by using the authority that you have in Jesus Christ. He says in Luke ten nineteen and 20, we have authority over every evil spirit, all darkness, every evil thing we have authority over in Jesus' name. So we show who he is to the people. He works through us, you see, but we have to rise up. He says, every tongue that rises against you, you shall show to be in the wrong. We show the demon activity in us is in the wrong and has no place in us. We show it to be in the room, but in the uh, wrong by taking authority over it. And when we take authority over it, it must go. We show it by words that we talk to other people. We'll, they'll say something negative and we'll point out what the word says about a certain situation or what is right or what is wrong like that also. But you see, we were called to come in to show what God says about things, what God says, what his word says. And we have to prove it wrong, and we prove it wrong by our words and by our actions, the way we live our lives, the way we use the authority that God has given to us. Everything in us, every part in us, just like Jesus did, we show Jesus Christ, you see. That's how we actually show it, because we will rise against, it says, you, okay, Every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. It didn't say God would show them. It said you will show them, you see. So you and I have that, that, that job, that authority, that commission by God to show the world that they are wrong and he is right. And we do that by, first of all, living a godly, holy life, and then by walking in the power of God. And then by daring to stand up in the midst of people that uh, believe and say everything is controversial against believers and against the acts and things that are going on, we stand against that and make our voices heard in this evil world. In other words, there's a a lot of laws that are being made, a lot of things that are being done that are contrary to God's word, and we rise up in our mouths and our words against that thing. We don't do things that people tell us to do that are contrary to the word of God. I don't care if it's a government or who it is. You are required to obey God. We are required to obey the law in our lives as long as it's not contrary to the word of God. We are called to do that. We must do that. We must be obedient to things like the driving is uh, 55 mile an hour. We're not to go 85 mile an hour or something like that. But things that are contrary to the word of God, God tells us not to do that, you see. In other words, am I going to obey the laws of the land or am I going to obey God, you see? So 
we are to stand on the principles of God all the way. And our lifestyle, our words, our actions, our deeds, of the power of God in our lives to, to lay hands on sick and they'll recover, cast out devils, all the things that Jesus did, we can do. Jesus did nothing on earth that you and I weren't commissioned to do. He said in John fourteen twelve, the things I do, so shall you do even greater. So I'm not going to really uh, stay on that a long time, but that's really what it's about. And what, what I'm trying to point out to you here is the fact that you must do it, you see. If you notice there, it didn't say God would prove them wrong. No, we're his vessels. We are his extended hands, you see. Jesus is the right hand of the Father, and now we are here. He showed us what to do and how to do it, empowered us, commissioned us. Now he said, go forth, children. I want you to do it. So now it's our time to do it, you see. So what I'm saying to you all right now that's kind of how that's how you look at a verse there. What's my part in this thing? In other words, I claim these things. I claim your word, Lord. But he said, hey, when you claim my word, you do this. You do that. And the verses that I have uh, gotten that the Lord has given to me are all verses, basically, that are truth to us. They're all truth, of course, but yet they require something of us. And many people read those verses, just claim them for face value, not realizing hey, I have a part in this also, see. And this is what I'm trying to point out. And I see this happen so many times. A lot of people claim a lot of things, but they're not really doing what they should do, and therefore they're making it void. It's null and void because we have our part to do, you see. Okay, we're going to start out tonight with a verse, and we can apply it here too. Uh, well, all of them we can. Matthew 6:33. But seek first ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Okay, in the previous verses there, it speaks of, of uh, the Gentiles or the, the sinners of the world. They're concerned about what clothes should I wear, where am I to live, uh, what am I to eat. In other words, the things of this world, how am I to have money, what about my retirement, what about this, what about that. They're concerned about all this world, okay? But Jesus says right here, this, this is in red letters in your Bible, kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, how many times have you heard this quoted? Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Well, many people identify all these things will be added to me. I'll be able to buy the house. I'll be able to pay my rent. I'll have a car to drive. I'll have clothes to wear, food to eat, be able to pay my bills. They sit, they look at that, but a lot of times, but seek ye first the kingdom of God is kind of the secondary thing there. In other words, I'm going to have all my needs, but God's taking care of me, but am I really seeking the kingdom? Now, Seeking the kingdom can be done the way God wants you to do it, or we can do it haphazardly. Seeking the kingdom of God is actually giving yourself over to God and saying, I want you to live through me. For to me to live is Jesus. I want to serve you. I want to be obedient to you in everything that I do. Because, you see, being a Christian is not a, just doing something on Wednesday or Thursday or Sunday, but it's a lifestyle. Everything that we have in life, everything that we do in life, we need to use God's principles and what God says about it in it, you see. In other words, we put God's word and what God says into everything that we do in our life. We must do that because his word is truth. That's the compass that we live our life by is the word of God. In other words, there's things that the world wants us to do we won't do because the word of God prohibits it. There's things that, uh, that we should be doing, maybe we don't do, and the word says, I want you to do it. You see, maybe the world will laugh at you for doing it or what have you. But yet we need to do that. We need to do what God's word says. 
So he says, seek first, obey me, do what I want you to do, live for me. And if you'll truly live for me, he said, these things will be added to you. You'll have all your needs met in every way. And, you know, today a lot of people are, are in their prayers are asking for things for themselves. You know, they're, they're sticking their hands. In other words, they're reaching out their hands out. Instead of reaching upward, they're putting their hands out for things. But what God wants us to do is put our hands up, seeking his face. They're seeking the hands of God instead of the face of God. And seeking first the kingdom is not seeking the hands of God. It's seeking the face of God. What should I do, Father? Here I am. What should, should I do? What do you want of me? That's seeking God, you see. That's putting him first and meaning it. You're seeking his face because I'll tell you what, you seek the face of God, you're not going to be seeking his hand so much. Many of the people that are always seeking the hand of God have not really sought his face. They see God as when I'm in need, Lord, I need help here. I need healed. I need provision here. I need you to help me with this. I need you to help me with that. I have a problem with that. It's all about when they have a need. It's not about what can I do? What did you call me to? It's sort of like John Kennedy, President John Kennedy, many years ago said, "Ask not for what you can, uh, ask not for what you can uh, see from your country, but what you can do for your country." In other words, ask not for what you can get from your country, but what you can do for your country is really what it was. A lot of people are asking what they can get from our country, not what they can do for it, you see. That's what he was talking about. And that's the way with God, you know. We're weighing what we can get instead of what is our part in it. And the beautiful thing about God, when we ask what we can do and we obey that and we live a life that way, we have a smooth, flowing life. You know, we have attacks, we have problems come our way. But we have peace in the midst of our problems. We have provision. We have assurance in our, pro- in our problems. We have joy in our life. We have everything going for us because God has control of us. We're in his hands, and nobody can pluck us out of his hands. You see, nothing can pluck us out. That's the beautiful thing about being a Christian. It doesn't mean you're not going to have problems attack you. It simply means that you can soar above the problems and still have the joy in your heart that you're not going to have a a sad, frowning face. You're going to have a smiling face, and you're going to have a smiling attitude, a good attitude, and you're not going to worry. You're going to be able to lay down in your bed and go to sleep but not, not lay awake worried, you see. In other words, it's a life of peace. It's a life of peace. And it's a life, it's assurance of no matter what comes our way, what challenge there is, we can be victorious over it. And that's quite a promise, isn't it? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I, have, I can overcome all things in Christ as I'm serving him. So I'd say that's a pretty good exchange, wouldn't you? Seek it first the kingdom, because I've learned something. You know, if I try to take care of myself, and I've done it the wrong way before, uh, I find out that I don't do too good of a job taking care of myself. But when I serve God and do what he wants, it seems like things are perfectly worked out where I just mess them up when I try to do them. So, you see, seek first the kingdom. Do what I tell you to do, he says. And you do that, things will be taken care of. He says, I'll take care of your business. You take care of my business because I'll direct you what I want you to do in my business. And then I'll just take care of your business. Hey, I'd rather have God take care of my business than me taking care of it. Amen? Okay, the next verse. And I know you would too. Okay, Matthew seven twelve. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men do to you, do you even to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Doesn't that sound familiar? That's what they call, that's where the golden rule came from in Matthew seven twelve. That's where the golden rule came from. The world uses the golden rule, do unto others as they would, you would have them do unto you, and that, that's what it really means. 
So you do unto others as you want them to do unto you. So there again, there we are in, in where we had the first seek kingdom of God. There we are again as you look at that person. Now, maybe you'd like to do something wrong to them. Maybe you're angry at them. Maybe something else, or you want to cheat them or take advantage of them. But you look at that person, you ask yourself, now, what uh, would I like? If I want to do so-and-so to him or her, uh, would I want that done on to me? And if you look at that and say, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want to be cheated like I'm planning trying to cheat them or maybe take advantage of them in one way or another. No, I wouldn't want that. Then I shouldn't do it to them, should I? If you look at yourself first before you do something to somebody else, would you like somebody to do that to you? And if you and I will honestly do that, there's a lot of things negative that we do that we hurt people in doing, maybe even say a mean word to them, well, if we would look at ourselves, do we want to hear a mean word? Do we want to be treated meanly or harshly? Of course not. Then maybe we'd keep our mouth shut and we wouldn't do that to them either. You see, we have to look at things in our perspective, ourselves. We need to look first. It begins with us, all these things. The buck stops at our death. See, too many times, as I said in the beginning here, people are looking at the word, claiming it, and not even putting themselves in the picture. God wants you and I in that picture because it depends how we live our life, what we're going to receive of him. He doesn't reward disobedient people. He doesn't. We're accountable to him, you see. So in that right there, consider yourself and everything that you do with people. Would I want that person to do to me what I'm planning to do to them? And if you wouldn't, well, I don't have to go any further with that. That's pretty well self-explanatory, right? Okay, let's take another scripture here. Philippians 14. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Very familiar scripture, isn't it? Okay, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. How many times have you heard people ask God to do this and to do that? Lord, I need you to do this. Lord, I need you to do that. Will you do this for me? Well, he said right here, I know who's I. If I read that scripture, it's me, right? When I read that scripture, I put myself for I it can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, I can do them through Christ because he empowers me to do whatever it might be, you see. His power is there. It's not my power, my wisdom, my understanding. It has nothing to do with me. It's God in me will do it through me to you or whatever he wants done, you see. His power. The same power, if, if Jesus, listen, if Jesus was standing there before you, and this isn't just me now, this is any Christian, the uh, Lord is using the power, his power through. He or she is doing the same thing that Jesus himself would do if he was standing beside you. It wouldn't be any less, it wouldn't be any greater, because it's Jesus' power doing it through that person. Not that person, but it's Jesus' power. So the same power, if I pray to somebody, I lay hands on somebody, I pray uh, minister to them to be healed. Okay, they receive their healing. Now, if somebody else prays for them, they're not going to do any better in that because it's the same Jesus. If I somebody else prays and I do it, I'm not going to do any better because we're all in the power of Jesus Christ when we walk in that power. When he's anointed us and we go forth in his anointing, his power, it's, a, it's God's power through us. There isn't a bunch of God's power. It's God's power or it's our power, and we have no power. So, Nobody's greater than anybody. It's just a simple matter 
of the power of God working through whoever he's working through, you see. It's not a greater God than me than a greater God than you. Uh, as much as I dare to believe God, as much as you dare to believe God, but show the difference in our faith. That's why he says in, Flip, uh, in uh, Ephesians 3.20, he's abundantly able to do above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, as much as we dare to believe as much as we dare to walk out on, as much as we dare to, to stand on, as much as we dare to put into our lives and to to believe, to walk on, to walk in, you see. What you dare to believe is what your faith is, you see. But it's still the same power of God. It's not a bigger God. God is the same size, but he becomes bigger to us as we believe more and more, as we yield ourselves. In other words, my faith is increasing. I'm learning to believe God with greater faith. He's increasing my faith. He's increasing my wife's faith. He's increasing our faith as we go along if we're following him because we become better. We become better. We become stronger. We become more knowledgeable, more understanding. I hear his voice better. We improve in every area in our relationship to God as we follow Jesus Christ because that's what he wants for each one of us, you see. This is what he wants in each one of our lives, that we walk in his power, that we uh, hear his voice, that we uh, in other words, we're just there at his beckoning. When he calls, when he says, jump, we don't say, is that you, Lord? Is that you? We say, how high, Lord? He wants to get us to that place where we're, we're more responsive, not dull of hearing and, and dull of responding and not hearing at all, not answering, not even caring to answer or to hear. He wants to get us in tune with him. You see, when he speaks, he wants you and I to listen. Okay, I can do all things through Christ. And really, that means all things that I want you to do, all things that my word says you are to do, and all things that I want you personally to do, what I've called you to do. We all have different callings, so everything that he's called me to do, I can do. I can't do what he's called you to do. I can't do those all things. I do all things that he's called me to do, you see, and all things that are there in the Bible that says that we can do. We all can do all those things, you see. But what he wants me to do that he has specifically for me, as well as what he says in the Word, you see. All right. First Peter, so there again, I. It comes on the OI, right? People talk about themselves saying, I this and I that. Well, we got to make it I this and I that when it comes to the Word of God, just as much as a lot of people like to I this and I that to people, you know, and have themselves in mind about everything. But no, we got to put, put ourselves in the I and the Scriptures also. Okay, casting, 1 Peter 5, 7, 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Okay, you have problems. You're, you're plagued down. You're blogged down. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. What am I going to do? Help me, Lord. He tells you, he tells me, what is your problem? You cast that to me. You cast that to me. If it's a physical problem, you need healing. You cast that problem to me and receive my word, what I say in my word to you, that by my stripes you were made whole 2,000 years ago. You receive that. You receive that. If it's finances, I will meet all your needs, Philippians 4.13. I mean, yeah, <coughs> excuse me. But any, anyhow, he says uh, that uh, I will meet all your needs according to my riches and glory. First Corinthians, Philippians 4.19, I'm sorry. He said, I will meet all your needs according to my riches and glory. I will meet your needs, you see. So you and I have to hold on to those truths as we go forward right there. Uh, when something comes our way, that's how we cast the care upon him. 
It's not just saying, Lord, I this or I'm, I'm, uh, I need money or, Lord, I, uh, I'm sick. He wants us to cast that care, but then we cast that care upon him by using his word, what the word says about what that need is. That's really what's really neat about the Bible. You know, every, every need that we have is in the Bible. We can look it up in one way or another. It would pertain to that, whatever whatever it is, and, and we just find what does the Bible say about this, and then we take it and we say, now, Lord, your word says that by, by your stripes I'm made whole, or your word says I supply all your needs according to riches and glory, just in those two situations. And, of course, when you do that, now, it, when it comes to uh, him supplying our needs and, and everything, as you read the preceding verses before that, it said how they gave the flippings and everything. Then he said, but my God shall supply all your needs because they were givers. You have to sow seed. You need to be a tither and a giver. You can't not be a tither and not be a giver and say, well, God, you'll meet my needs. No. You have a responsibility of being a tither. You have a responsibility of being a giver for that verse because you read that chapter right there. The verses down there pertain to a very giving people, the Philippians, and you'll find that that's what they did, you see. Now, in healing... No. What it is, you, you simply uh, go to him and you receive that peace, that cast that care upon him by picking up his word. You give him the care, the needs. You give him the sickness. He gives you the antidote, which is his word. He gives you the antidote, you see. You give it to him. He's the, uh, the druggist there, so to speak. If you want to put it in a worldly language, you go into a drugstore and supposedly the medication is released to you that will help you, you see. Well, this heals you. God, God doesn't just aid you or give you a relief. He heals you. He takes the, the root core away from the thing. He heals and delivers you. Medicine doesn't heal, but God does too. He's a healer. He uses medicine, but he's a healer, you see. He's a healer of all things. It's God, and that's what, what happens there. So when you cast your care upon him, you're picking up his word, and you're believing his word, you see. Because when you believe his word in faith, you can't be worried. You can't worry and be at faith at the same time. That never happens. A lot of people say they're in faith. They think they are, but they're not really in faith if they're worried. You see, that's a, that's a good test. That's an acid test. Am I really in faith? And if I'm really in faith, I have peace in my heart about it. If I don't have my heart about it, I need to find that peace by his word and, and quoting that word, meditating on that, and just talking to him until I come to the place that, hey, I have peace on that because his word gives us peace. He gives us peace. So that's what it's all about. Okay? Here's, a, here's two good scriptures right here. I love to use these. And these are the most practical, really, in this day in particularly. James 4, 7, and 8. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. First of all, you submit yourself to God. That's what he wants you to do. Submit to God. First of all, he needs to be your Lord and Savior, and you submit yourself to him and say, Lord, I just give it all to you. And meaning it, not just a lot of words, because he's not listening to what your mouth says. He's listening to what your heart says. Okay, therefore, resist the devil and he flee from you. Okay, you did the first step. And here's where a lot of people will come up and they'll start to cry and uh, whimper and everything. The devil attacked me. I had this happen. I had that happen. Oh, the devil's on me. He's trying me. Well, what's the Bible say there? Resist the devil and what will happen? He'll flee from you. 
How do you resist the devil? Recognizing that him, recognizing that you have authority over him, recognizing the name of Jesus Christ, he must go, and paying him no mind, just casting him out in the name of Jesus. That's how you do it. You've got to get tough with him like that and recognize that you're the tough one. You're the strong one. You're the ones in charge. They're not the devil. He doesn't tell you what to do. You tell him what to do. And, of course, he says in Luke 10, 19, and 20, the Lord said we have authority over him. So that's how you deal with the devil right there. Now, after that, he said he'll flee from you. Well, sure he will because he's no match for Jesus. Jesus made an open show of him in hell itself and took the keys of life and death from him and everything from him and stripped him, and he gave it to you and I when we received him as Lord and Savior empowered by the mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. And therefore, you and I have it. We're the strongest now. The devil's just coming around to try to make us think that he's still in charge, but he's not in charge anymore. The only time the devil is in charge is when we allow him to be in charge. We allow it, you see. We're the strong ones, and if he overpowers us, it's our fault. It's our fault, really. Stop and think about it. You know, if you have authority over something, if it overpowers you, why did it overpower you when you were stronger than it? You see, what's the reason for that? Okay, he says it. The eighth verse there with it, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Well, do you notice something there? You draw near to God. He didn't say God didn't come down to you right away and, oh, it's just going to be everything. He said, first, you draw near to me, and then he said, I'll draw near to you. You make the first step, right? You make the first step. All right? You made that step. How do you draw nigh to him? Through prayer and committing your life to and through obedience in his word, walk in his word. You're drawing nigh to him. You're pleased with him. And he comes to you, and he's well pleased. Okay, then he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Get the things out of your life that shouldn't be in your life. Things that you know, get rid of them in the name of Jesus. And then the things that you don't know, say, Holy Ghost, I don't know what you're displeased in my life. And I say it myself. I say, Lord, I don't know what, if there's anything else or what is displeasing you, but I want to give up what I'm not to do. I want to do the things that really please you. I honestly want to do that, Lord. The things that I know that I know myself, I must correct them. Because to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's sin, the Scripture says. And uh, the thing about it is we do what we know there. But then the Holy Ghost, when we ask the Holy Ghost to show us, what will happen will be there's times that I've done that, and, and that would be something I didn't even think would be, but it was, and I had to correct it or repent of it or whatever it was. So the Holy Ghost knows for sure. We know some things, but the real one that knows, he knows everything where you and I don't is the Holy Spirit. So that's why we leave him shade, put his uh, reflector in there, put his light in there, because he will definitely show us things that we don't know, you see. So let him look in you, and he will tell you. And if there's nothing there, there's nothing there. Uh, don't try to invent or, or make something out of something that isn't, you see. Don't try to invent things or put something out there, you see. Always just trust it to him. If there's nothing there, accept it and go on about your business, you see. Too many people are there kind of thinking, did I or didn't I? Did I do something wrong? Did I do this? Did I do that? No, we aren't to do that. We're, in our relationship with him, we do what we're supposed to do. Uh, by committing things to him, and then we go on our way, you see. Don't want to linger at places and leave the devil, try to 
lie to you and kid you that you're doing something wrong or you should do this or you shouldn't do that. And therefore, if you listen to that, it'll keep you doing nothing because you'll be too caught up in am I right or wrong attitude, you see. But we need to move along, you see. Okay. The next thing right here uh, is First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Verse 6. Oh, this is a good one. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Who humbles themselves? You're to do it, right? Does God humble you? No. And I hope he doesn't have to humble you because it's not too pleasant when he humbles you. When you do something wrong, his correction isn't the most pleasant thing that you'd like to be around because he does a number on you, okay? When God has to actually take you over his knee, it's not fun. I've had it happen before. Take it from me, it is not fun. It is not fun. I repeat myself. Humble yourself. You know what that means, to humble yourself? Recognize who you are, that you are nothing in yourself, but you are all things in him. And recognize him for who he is as much as you see. Now, he's far beyond what any of us even can imagine. God is beyond any of our thoughts. We just have a little glimpse. But just see him for who he is. Honor him and respect him. Just like the fear of the Lord is an honor and respect for who he is. Give him respect for who he is, you see. Give him respect. Don't be disrespectful. Respect God for who he is. And that's something we lack in the world today is respect. People don't respect anybody. They don't respect older people. They don't respect one another and disrespecting God. But that's what that is, to humble ourselves before him. And the humility, the Bible says in Proverbs 22.4, through humility and fear of the Lord, reverence and honoring God, riches, honor, and life. The promises of life are in our humility and respect and honor for God. But he said, if you humble yourself under your mighty hand, God, if I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, he can exalt me in due time. That means humility. Humility, then honor, he says it in, uh, also in Proverbs 16. He says, humility, then honor. What would happen if it would be honor, then humility? Well, you ever hear of something called pride? When you're honored and you become really honored, the man or the woman about town, if you don't have humility, pride comes in. What happens with pride? Pride comes before the fall. That's why a novice cannot do certain things because pride would be there or they, the devil would just beat them to death. They wouldn't have how to deal with it, you see. That's why it takes an experienced person and a person that is humble before God. And it can be an older person that doesn't have humility and they get a little bit of recognition, uh, they get a little bit of money, they get a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and all of a sudden their head gets big. And that's why, that's why he said he will uh, exalt us in due time when he sees we're ready for it. And many times God can't promote you and I because of our attitudes or where we're at in our minds and our attitude and the way we live our lives until we grow up a little bit. He's not going to give somebody that's about half in and half out anything. He's going to make sure, hey, this, this man or this woman is humble and they can handle this because if I'd give it to them now, pride would, would kill them. 
see, he he knows when we're ready. We don't. I thought I was ready before. Years ago, I thought I was ready to whip the world. I found out if he had released me what I'm doing now, the world would have whipped me. So we have to trust God. You are where you are because God wants you there. And perhaps maybe you are not doing what you should do. Maybe you need to be doing some things or being more obedient or learning and growing some things that God can put you up to another higher grade, you see. And sometimes it's just we just grow into that, and we're going to the right place, but it's not God's time for us. But we can also uh, defer that time by not being obedient to God and not doing what he wants us to do, because until we get to a certain place, sometimes he just can't do it for us. So be sure that you're obedient to God and you're maturing in God. That's not your fault. It's not any further along. Just make sure it's because God's timing is not for you yet, not because you didn't obey sort of like the children of Israel, 11-day, 10, 11-day trip, 40 years. And we don't want that, right? So we have to make sure. That's why, you know, we get promised, and I have to say this. People talk about to get prophetical words, and I, I have them too. I have a million of them what God had told me. I, I don't say them very much to people, but I do. I have many of them. And I hear I'm with people I work with who will say that in ministry and everything, what God told them. And that is all wonderful. That's great what God has promised. But the thing about it is, in the promises uh, that God has given to us uh, for timing and everything, it's not the promises that we had, but the time between the promise and the manifestation of it. And what we have to be so very careful of, that what we're doing in that time, are we learning, are we doing what God wants us to do, are we hearing from him, are we preparing, are we doing the steps and taking the steps that he has for us that will lead to that? prophetical word that was given to us maybe 5, 10, 20 years ago. See, most people get caught up and hung up on the, what they were promised and don't really think about learning anything between the promise and the manifestation, which is the, the period. And during that period is the greatest growing time that we have. That's the time it will decide or not decide. I had a friend one time that told me he's had a lot of prophecies that, man, it never seemed to happen. He might have thought that was a bad word for the prophets, but I'm going to tell you this, that uh, that's kind of a bad word for what he said, for the simple reasons. Remember, he just didn't obey anything, and God couldn't give him anything, you see. And that can happen. You can have all the prophecies in the world, but if you don't do your part in that thing, it's not going to come to pass. Now, some personal prophecies will come to pass that don't depend on you, but the ones that depend on your obedience, you have something in those too, see. And that's something I think some of you need to hear because everybody wants to get a word from somebody. Give me a word. Give me a word. But listen, when you get that word, you better be making sure that you're obedient to the Lord, that you're cooperating with him, and he can lead you to the steps that need, you need to be led to to attain and get to the place where he can give you that thing, you see. So we need to think about that. We, we kind of have a mentality like the world, you know. I remember in magazines, I would look at magazines, especially years ago, and would have a picture of a beautiful home, a boat, and cars and everything, and people look at that, and, you know, and it said, come to this, do this, and you can have all these things. And people were just looking at those nice things, but they didn't consider what they had to do and what it would take to get there, you see. And uh, so, you see, people are, are and have a microwave oven type thing. In other words, I want my blessings and I want them now. They don't realize that there's, there's prices to be paid. 
And uh, this has been a ruination of a lot of people. They've just uh, jumped out of the skillet too quick. They went out of the oven before they were baked. They were half-baked, and that's then they wind up in trouble. That's why we need to be led by the Spirit and in your patience possess you your souls. Be patient in what you're doing. Know you're pleasing God. Know you're doing what, what he wants you to do. And if you know that, be patient in that because let patience have her perfect work. It says in James 4, and you will lack nothing. Nothing you will lack if you stand in patience and you just keep going forward, you see. It's when you and I try to put ourselves in the picture that we lose it. Amen. I, I'm, I'm saying things here tonight, not even, so I know this people are needing what I have to say here tonight. This is what why I'm on this program, to help people, to see God working the lives of people. And I know you need that. Everybody needs that, I'll tell you, because I hear a lot of people talking, and they all need to recognize that. Okay, let's see where I'm at right now. Okay. Okay, First Corinthians nine oh my. First Corinthians nine twenty five. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they that to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Let me read that again. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate. What that means temperate means has self control in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Okay, that says, when you have that, that means self-control. And you know that's one of the fruits of the Spirit, temperance. It says in Galatians 5, 23. Temperance is self-control. Now, I'm not going to stay this a long time because I could, I, could, I could make a year's message out of this right here. I could just explain these things. I could make sermons out of everything I say almost. I could. But I, I can't do that right now. I'm just going to give you, I'm giving you a little taste of these things, and I believe that you can perceive where I'm coming from. You know, to be a, a professional fighter, we're going to use that as an example, a boxer especially, they have to go through grueling trials and things. In other words, they're exercising, they're eating, they're sleeping, uh, the training. Uh, when they feel like sleeping, uh, they have to get up and do their training. They have to, especially in a physical, whether it's a fighter or something that you have to do, something that really goes against your body, that you just want to lay in bed or you want to go out and eat a bunch of chocolate cake or something. You can't do that. It would hurt you. Now, use that in a spiritual sense. I want to be a mighty man of God. You want to be a mighty man of God. You men, you women want to be a mighty woman of God. We all want to be mighty men, great servants of the Most High God. We all want that. That's our goal and all we do. Everybody should have that goal. Okay, if I want to be a mighty man of God, I have to, first of all, have control over myself because God will tell me what to do. Now, when he tells me what to do, if I don't have self-control over myself, I'll say, well, I don't feel like it, God. I don't want to do it. I'd rather do this. I don't want to take that phone call. I don't want to go visit that person tonight. I want to do something else. I don't want to answer that phone at 2 o'clock in the morning. I, you know, and I, this isn't all the things you would do, but uh, just things like that. Or I want you to go talk to that person. I want you to teach this. I want you to go here. You see, if you're flesh, if you don't have control of yourself, you're going to do what you feel like doing, what your flesh tells you what to do. But if you're following God and you have self-control by the Holy Spirit, it says through the Spirit, Romans 8, 13, it says, we through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh. There again, through the Lord, he gives us the empowerment. I can do all things. I can mortify my flesh and do what he wants me to do by the Holy Spirit. But you see, that's why I have to have self-control, because when he tells me to do something, then I will do it. Now, we all want God control, but God, we cannot have God control until we have self-control. Because if God would tell us to do something, 
we'd say, well, hey, I don't have control myself, so I'm not going to do that, God. I'd rather not do that. <laughs> you see, that's like Jesus going to the cross. Father wanted him to go to the cross, and he didn't want to go, really. And who would? But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will, Lord. He had control, you say, and therefore, you see, that's what I'm talking about. So if you don't have self-control, God can't use you because you won't obey him. You're going to do what you feel like doing. You're not going to do what God wants. So you and I have to make it up our mind that we're going to be self-controlled with what the Word of God says, and then we're going to be God-controlled, you see. The sad thing about this, and I, I get this all the time, a lot of times with people, a big smile on their face, and they'll be laughing about it because they know, hey, I can't do it. Oh, self-control, discipline. Self-discipline, that's a dirty word. Oh, self-control. That's a dirty word with most people. They laugh about it and run from it. But listen, that's why most people are walking defeated in their lives because they don't want to deal with having control of themselves. They just want to do what they feel like doing. That's like the world today. Do what you feel like doing. Do this if you feel like it. No matter if it's right or wrong, if you feel good and it feels good, do it. And that's the way a lot of Christians are today, what they feel like doing. I'm not saying they're doing bad things like the world is doing in many things, but I am saying it's sinful if we're doing what we feel like doing, not yielding to God, you see. So we must take control of ourselves by the word of God and ask God to help us through the Holy Spirit. He enables us to have control. Then he can take control of our lives and use us the way he wants to. But until we come to that place, God cannot use you the way you want him to use you or the way he wants to use you, you see. There's a price to be paid. You see, here we go again. These verses I'm talking to you about, see how you and I have to put ourselves in that and do our part for God to do his. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Didn't he say that in the verse back a few minutes ago? You draw near to me, then I'll draw near to you. But if you don't draw to me, I'm not going to draw to you because you don't want me. In other words, like the picture that we probably all have seen, there's a picture of Jesus standing at the door knocking with his fist there, just knocking on the door. But did you ever notice that in that door there's no latch or anything? It's just a wood door. Therefore, he can't get in unless he'd kick the door open. But he made that purposely, and that that picture is really made purposely, rather, to show that, hey, he's knocking on your door. He's speaking to your heart. But you have to open from within. That means you're opening your heart within for him. He don't knock the door down. He won't kick it down. If you don't open the door, he won't come in. You draw near to me. I'll draw near to you. You do it, you see. See, I'm trying to bring this message. This is the, the really the foundation of these messages. It's up to you. Notice the title of the, uh, of the message that I have is Understanding and Doing God's Keys to You. That's God's keys to you, you see, in every area of life because it all comes back to you. Do it as long as you did your part, then believe in him to do his part because he will do his part. But, but where the, the problem comes is us doing our part sometimes, you see. Okay, the next thing in Proverbs 4, uh, 20, I'm going to read three verses here. Okay, my son, attend to my words, confine them ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Those verses all go together, and I love those verses. I've been on those for years. I just love those verses. And I'm going to just describe them, what it's saying. You, see, they are getting you. Every verse I read there, 20 through 23, you, 
you, my son, attend to my words. Give attention to my words, he's saying. Put your ear to my sayings. Listen to what I'm saying to you, son, he's saying here. You listen. The 21st verse, let my words not depart from your eyes. You don't let them depart. You keep them in the midst of thy heart. You keep them there. You think about them. You meditate upon them. Don't lose sight of them and forget all about them. You keep them in your heart. And then he says in the 22nd verse, they are life to those that find them. The words that you find in the Word of God are life to you. The, the Word of God is life and health to your flesh. So what does that say? Abundant life and healing for your physical bodies. The Word of God is healing for you in your spirit, soul, and body. Healing, period, in your life. Your life is telling you what it is right there. But by doing those things, he says, he's telling us in the 22nd verse, my words are life and health to them, you see. He's telling that to you and I. Then he says, you keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Diligence means very carefully, diligently, very carefully, and making sure of them in the middle of your heart above all things. Then he said, out of it are the issues of life. Everything is in your life on this earth, in your eternal life, is in your heart from the Word of God. All for your life now and for what's going to happen in eternity for you, it's the issues of life because the issues of life is a whole ball of wax. Everything is in that, you see. That's the whole word right there. Abundant life, health for your flesh, everything is in there, but you must give attention to them. You must meditate on them. You must keep them in the midst of your heart. And you must look at them with all diligence above all things that you will keep those words within you and never leave them depart for anything because they are life to you. They are God's words, and, and that's it. There's just no compromise on them. You must walk and live by those words no matter what the world or what anybody says to you. You cannot uh, compromise those words because God's word is God's word. Amen. God's word is God's word. We have too many compromisers. We got too many people compromised. That's what's happened to the church today. You have a lot of, of church folk that believe they can go to the nightclub on Saturday night, party it up, and and uh, go home with a, a a woman not married to and sleep together, then get up and go into the church the next day and praise the Lord. Uh uh-uh. uh. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh uh-uh. uh. You live like hell, you'll go to hell. I don't care if you went to the altar 5,000 times and ask Christ in your heart. Repentance, repentance. The bottom line, you repent and turn from your wicked ways and mean business with God. And when you do that, what will happen, you will actually turn from your ways. Just saying, Lord, come into my heart doesn't get the job done. What gets the job done is repenting from what you've done. In other words, hey, I've messed up. I've been a sinner. I've been evil. Forgive me. I want a life change. I don't want to be what I've been. I want to change my life. I want my life changed. I can't change it, but, Lord, I'm coming to you. I want my life changed. Forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I give myself to you. I acknowledge that I am a sinner, and I ask you to come into my heart and save me and take over my life. And, Father, you tell me that whoever calls upon you will be saved, and I'm calling upon you now. Give me life, Lord. I want to live for you. I want a new life. And if you say that to him just the way I said it or whatever, 
that you just mean what I said right there in your heart the way I said it right there, that's what gets you saved because you mean business. If you mean it in your heart because he says uh, that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you call upon him, he'll save you right now. He'll deliver you, whatever it might be. But it's meaning it in our hearts. He'll deliver us. You know, I've found, you know, <laughs> the Lord's just taking us. Wow, yes, Lord. You know, I have found when I quit smoking, you know, I could not quit smoking until I came to the place that I just said, that's it, I quit, I give it all to you, I threw them down, and I meant to quit. I didn't mean to maybe hold back and go uh, just two or three a day or keep a pack back just in case or set some plan out. I said, that's it, Lord, I give my all to you. And when I gave my life, my all to him, way back in 70, we got saved. My wife and I, the same day, August 3, 1970, and in July, I got baptized. We got water baptized, and I smoked cigarettes. And when I smoked cigarettes, the pastor wouldn't baptize me. He told my wife, I can't baptize Ed. But that day, I came to the place, I mean, my life was miserable. Ten and a half months, I was saved, but I wasn't living for God the way I should, and I was up and down, up and down, and up and down. And what happened to me, I decided that, you know, I was going to give it all. And I knew I had to, and my wife and I and our kids were little then. We went out. They were young then, and we were going out to a place to get something to eat. And I told my wife, I said, you know, Lord, I told the Lord, I said, honey, I said, uh, I've been just up and down. I've been miserable, and right now I'll make up my mind I'm going to quit smoking. I love to smoke. But I said, I quit smoking, and I'm going to give my all to the Lord. And I said, for ten and a half months, I hadn't been able to make it, and I don't see how in the world I'm going to make it through this. But I said, Lord, I give my all to you. Now give me the power to live for you. You give me the power to live for you. And I didn't even realize what I said. I said that, and we went out. We ate our lunch, went back to the church, and then mid-afternoon we got baptized. And I testified. I had a wonderful baptismal among different ones who were baptized. And I said I quit smoking, gave my testimony of knowing Jesus. I went home that night. And to make a long story short, I, I used to like to look at Bonanza. And it came on at 8 or 9 o'clock Sunday night. I forget the time. And we're talking about, I believe it was a June uh, evening. Hot, hot, hot. It must have been up in the 90s. And back in those days, you didn't have air conditioning, okay? And there was no wind. I went in the room, and my wife nearly fainted when I said, I'm not going to look at Bonanza. I'm going to go in and pray because I never did that before, much less giving up my favorite TV show. But I went and said, honey, I'm going to the bedroom. I'm going to be praying. She nearly fainted. I went in there, and I gave my all to God like I told you. And I mean, those curtains were still, but all of a sudden, those curtains just flew open. And it was like catechismical lights. And I didn't know what in the world was going on there, man. And it was all for me. I go shut. And you know what I asked for? I simply asked for it. I didn't even hear. I knew less about the Bible than anybody's listening right now. I'll bet you. <laughs> and I'm telling you what. When I asked for that, there, I I, I spoke in tongues. I, I just, uh, it, it, woo! I was on fire. I didn't know what in the world happened to me. My wife said when I came out of that room, there, she said your face was a glow. I must have looked like Moses. I'm not exaggerating. My life. My life changed from, I saw things that I never saw before. I, I thought everything was hunky-dory in every place, and I saw things as they were, a hunger for the Word. I spent 10 hours in the Bible a day. Uh, I, I did all these things, you know, and I had uh, just a hunger for the Word and empowerment and the desire. Well, it was about a year later to 
Acts, I received, knew that what happened to me, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence speaking in tongues. And then it was a year later, a, a man at work where I did, he told me what happened to me, and he laid his hand on me, and he, he gave me a little instruction about it. And uh, I was speaking fluently in tongues just a matter of days later. But I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence speaking in tongues, so I was empowered. I, I, I definitely didn't talk, I wasn't going to mention this tonight, but somebody needed that or somebody's needed that. But that's where power and life begin. And holiness and empowerment is what it's all about. Holy living, you can't live a holy life the way you should without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in tongues, because you need empowerment as well as I do. And holiness and empowerment are the keys for you and I today to be a remnant warrior. That's the keys. That's what God wants. Thank you, Lord. I I didn't intend to take that trip. <laughs> Like I say, I don't. I told. I tell the people. I. I don't know what I'm going to do when I go to a place where I'm preaching and teaching. It's hard to tell what might happen. And uh, I'm here, but if I go in a place they have me in a church or something. I don't know what might happen because God has worked in my life, and I've been in this for 51 years, folks. We were saved in '70. I was ordained in the ministry in 1975, and I've seen buildings shake, and I've seen people come out of comas. I've seen people hear the heart attacks, the dead raised. I've seen a few things in life, but. Lord told me, he said, you haven't seen nothing yet a few years ago. So that's the kind of God we're serving, folks. Even the greatest things that you and I see, it's nothing. I still feel like a, a baby, a baby yet, compared to what God is getting ready to do and is doing in these days. And it just, uh, I have goosebumps even talking about that right now. <laughs> oh, my. There's a couple more verses that I'm going to sew it up for the night. Uh, Romans 12, it's hard to carry on from after after this Romans 12 1 and 2 and this is another thing for, for you and I to really keep in our hearts and our minds to please God he says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is reasonable service okay he wants us to by the mercies of God present our bodies a living sacrifice because he said our bodies, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and 20 says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he said our reasonable service is present our bodies to the Lord, which is our reasonable service. It didn't say that's a medal of honor or that's a giant or a general in the army. That's what he expects out of you and me and everybody else, all of us. No matter who you are, he expects that out of everybody. That is the medal of honor award. That, that, he expects that. And he's going to expect that when he sees us face to face we're all going to stand before god and that's what he's going to expect now how do you and i measure up to that we've made our body a living sacrifice unto the lord you say so these are things we have to think about because we have to give account of all these things i'm reading tonight what i'm preaching i got to give the count on and this is we better make sure of ourselves folks romans 12 2 and be not conformed to this world be ye transformed but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Oh, boy. Don't be conformed to what the world's doing. Don't leave them cause you to do what they are doing that you can please them because of some motive or you're afraid to be looked down upon or laughed at or you might lose your job or you're going to think you're an oddball or something. Don't conform to what they do. Don't practice the way they do. He said, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, what's that mean? That means get in the Word, know what the Bible says in your mind, and let it get into your heart. And then then it says you will prove 
what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I can't prove to anybody what God's perfect will is unless I have my mind in the Bible, read the Bible, know what the Bible says in my mind, and then allow enough of it to get into my heart. And if it gets into my heart, I'm actually going to believe it. And then he says, the man thinketh in his heart, so is he in Proverbs 23, 7. So I'm going to think it, then I'm going to act it. When I act it, they're going to see it. They're going to see Jesus. That's how they see Jesus, not just by acting on his word, you see. That's, if you want to show Jesus, and we all want to show Jesus, look more like Jesus, it's simply believing his word and act upon it and showing, showing it to the world. And that's what this says. It says, then you approve what's good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But it starts in the mind, get it in your heart, then you believe it, and then you think it and say, hey, I'm a mighty man of God. I can do all things through Jesus. Then you start to go out and do these things, and then you're proving to those around you, that, hey, that man believes what he's saying. He believes God's word. He's a mighty man. I can believe what he says. He's a man of integrity or a woman of integrity, see. We're to show this thing to those around us on our lifestyle. Our lifestyle, not just our words or our preaching or our teaching, but we are to demonstrate that by the way we act and react with people. That's a 24-7 job, and that's a job that we all need full-time. It keeps all of us busy. I don't care who you are. It's a full-time job for me. I don't know about you, but I don't believe I believe you if you would tell me it wasn't a full-time job. I think you're pulling my leg because I know it's a full-time job for me, and I know it's a full-time job with you. And I know everybody will say amen, amen to that. Okay, now I've got one more verse right here. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God's not mocked for whatever a man soweth, he shall reap. Galatians 6, 7, boy, is that a that a good one. You're not going to get away with anything, neither am I. The seed that I'm sowing, if I'm mean to somebody, jump on them. Well, what to say right there? I'm going to reap meanness coming back at me. If I'm a man of love, I'm going to have love come back at me. Uh, whatever I sow, it's going to come back at me. Okay? And karma, the world calls it karma, what you sow, you reap. But he that lives by the gun will die by the gun or lives by the sword, dies by the sword or whatever. And if you live a life of crookedry and, and uh, uh, taking advantage of people and mean and just bad, a bad life, you're going to go out that way in a bad way. You're going to go out in a bad way. So, you see, God's not mocked. And, you know, I'll tell you a little secret about this. I can sow bad seeds, you know, by my words, by my actions, by my deeds. You see, you got to watch everything you do because it's all seed. The words you say, the way you frown, the way you talk. Uh, and I'll tell you, as I say these things, that puts it all on me more and more that I have to guard myself more and more and more because that's all coming back. And, you know, when it comes back, we always get more from God than what we give. You know, we talk about that in the positive sense of our giving of finances or time and ministering to people and doing things. We get always blessed back more than what we gave out. Well, I'll tell you what, you give out some bad seed, it can come back in a bigger harvest. And I'll tell you what else in, closure, in closing tonight, have you ever seen people going through some hard times and bad things come against them? And I have, and you have too. And I, I'm, not, I'm not ever judging this because only God knows. And I wouldn't know anything unless God would show it to me. But sometimes you see people going through some bad stuff. It's because of some bad seed they sowed, and they're just reaping what they sowed. And I don't want to be one of them people. I don't want the things that I go through other than attacks by the devil to be something I brought on myself because there's enough 
enough things that the enemy attacks, enough things around us that us bringing more bad seed upon us. We get enough to deal with besides us sowing bad seed and then getting the harvest of that on top of this, you see. So we need to be so careful how we live. And, uh, folks, I'll tell you, these verses tonight right here, uh, it showed me really that how we need to be closer to God, obedient to him, and really mean business with him. We really need to do that. Uh, this, There again, like I say, uh, tonight, oh, this is a God tonight. This is, this, this is a God service, folks. This was God. This wasn't me. And what was said right here, how it affected you, you better take heed because it wasn't me. It was God dealing with you. And I'm going to pray a prayer in closing right now because I'm just I'm just going to let it go at that because uh, God put some things out. This, uh, I don't know what I might say two weeks from now. Either. I, I don't know what I do from week to week, folks. Uh, I didn't even know how many weeks it was going to be. <laughs> but I like that because that means that I have no control. That's the first thing I ask my wife. Well, I don't ask her. She tells me. As long as I know I wasn't in the service, it was good because God did it. That's all I care about. I don't, I don't want myself in that thing at all. And I thank God tonight. So I'm going to pray for you right now, and, and I want you all to listen very carefully. I want you to just, re, just be open for the Holy Ghost to move in you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for this service tonight, Father. I thank you that it wasn't my service, and I don't ever want another service in my life, Father. I want it all yours. Everything I do, I want you to do it all the time through me in whatever way you see fit for it. I don't want to, I don't want to add in nothing because I know it will be a big failure, a big flop, because uh, I'm a failure in life outside of you, but I'm a giant inside of you because you're a great big God inside of me. I know you're great big, but in myself, I am nothing, just a hunk of flesh. And, Father, right now I'm lifting up these people to listen to this message. And I'm praying for them right now for their salvation, Father, as we, we actually covered that in the message there, and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the film with the mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in tongues, deliver them from tobacco, deliver them from, from pornography, sorcery, witchcraft, all spiritual darkness, all sickness, all disease, all forces of darkness right now. I take authority. I take authority right now. It must leave you right now in the name of Jesus. I want you right now to accept the fact Satan is gone from your life in Jesus' now, in Jesus' name, right now. You are set free from the things that have been hindering and haunting you, hindering and haunting you. In the name of Jesus Christ, show your power in these lives of the people right now, in the name of Jesus. I just release that anointing. Now, you receive. You receive what God has for you. Let him minister to you because he becomes real to you. He will become real to you as you draw to him right now with expectation. Just receive what the Holy Ghost has for you right now, okay? Receive what the Holy Ghost has for you right now because he's taken over. I don't know what's happening in your life. I know there's been a lot of things covered tonight, so I don't know what's going on. He does, but I'm going to say this to you. You know, if you're looking on, on the computer, there's a place down there that has comments. Please put your comments what happened to you tonight. Testimonies or whatever, or questions or comments or whatever it might be, put that down there. And also, 
I'm going to give you my email address to email me right now. And if, if you missed it, you can listen to it again and get it off of there because I'm on the on-demand section. Uh, my time, it's 8, uh, uh, let's see, what time is it? 8.17 is right now. That's Eastern Standard Time. In about 45 minutes or so, it'll be on the on-demand section. You can listen to it again to listen to the message. And also you can get my address off there. But I'm going to say it to you so you all get a pencil and paper. And if you have any questions, you want to talk to me, you want prayer, uh, testimonies, I, I want to hear from you all because, you know, I'm speaking into a, a phone right now, and I don't see anybody. I'm by myself up here where I have my room. My wife's downstairs. I have the room up here. My dog's downstairs, and I'm up here ministering, you know, so I don't see anything. I'm by myself. This is the Holy Ghost and I, and <laughs> I feel great. But uh, I, I need to hear from you. And, I, you know, because we, we all need to hear because that's what we're about. That's why these people on Reaching Out Radio International all want to hear from you because we're pouring our hearts out to try to help you. I, I know Evangelist Montel Field, she gives a lot into it. She does an awful lot of work, and we're pouring our hearts out to you people. We need to hear from you. We need we need you to, to write us. We need you to reply and everything because a lot of times people receive it, don't reply. And it, the Bible says in the 105th Psalm, First verse is make known your deeds, make known the needs of the Lord to the people. So I have a responsibility if I'm healed or delivered, whatever, to testify, to give a testimony for God, to show you what God is doing, that we can exalt the Lord. Okay, my address is Ed, no, I'm sorry, <laughs> extended, E-X-T-E-N-D-E-D, extended, hands, H-A-N-D-S, of Jesus at yahoo.com. Let me say that again. I can't be a little slow because uh, maybe some of you are still scrambling for pencil and paper. Extended, E-X-T-E-N-D-E-D, hands, H-A-N-D-S, of Jesus at yahoo.com. I want to hear from you. Anything if you have prayer comments, we're here to serve you. We love you all. We pour our hearts out to you. We trust God and God. The way God is moving, folks, He's doing some. See, that's how I know what's going. The way God moves, because I know when things happen. I know when things don't happen. And tonight, He had some special words for a lot of people. And I know people are filled with the Holy Ghost and saved tonight. I know what God had brought out. I just, just, uh, I just times I know things in the spirit. But I need to hear from you all because if you'd like to talk to me personally, we can arrange that, whatever. I have a website I'll be able to send you to, whatever. But uh, we are here to help, and we do it every day, 24-7. It's what my wife and I basically do. So I'm going to sign off for now, and uh, I speak God's blessings over each and every one of you, and I'm just I'm just high myself right now. I just praise God for the night and give him all the, the glory. And just let him have you right now because he has the same thing for you. He has good things for you. Because I, I feel so good in my spirit, folks. So just draw from the Holy Ghost right now. You go back to your, your bedroom or wherever you can go, get with God, and he'll get with you, okay? We love you now, and I will see you in two weeks. You all have a blessed week. I love you all. Good night, everybody.